Hello and welcome to Accessible Theology. My name is Aaron and I'm here with Michael. And our goal is to make the study and application of God's Word accessible to our listeners so that we and you would better love God, know truth, and live accordingly. And we are back with another edition of Three Minute Theology. Uh, Michael and Aaron here. Michael stepping into the to the three minute ring this time, so we need to pick our topic, and we can jump on into that. So we've got our numbers here. Number twelve on the list is going to be oh the heart from the heart. Proverbs four, chapter uh, chapter four verse twenty three. Uh, if you want to flip there to read along with us, I'll read the verse as we get started and then start Michael's timer and he will tell us about the heart. So Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Um, do you want any more context than that? Or No. No? All right. Be good. Okay. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says this. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. And your timer starts now. All right, so in the Bible, uh, we see the heart is discussed and conceived of as the control center of our humanity. What that means is that all of our emotions, our behaviors, our habits, they flow from our heart. And that's what this verse is getting at. It says that from it flow the springs of life. Uh, Other translations will say things like the issues of life. What it's trying to capture there is that all of our lives, behaviors, characteristics, habits, affections, desires, all of these things come from our heart. This is significant because we live in a day where we like to blame everything else but our heart. We live in a day where we like to say things like, well, that wasn't actually me. I mean, how many times do we see anymore people having to apologize on Twitter and say, that wasn't actually me, that didn't properly represent who I was, and usually it's something they said or something they did. Well, Proverbs 4.23 begs to differ. If What we do and what we say is a reflection of our heart, and our heart is who we are. And so that's a scary thought to think about. That's why Jesus can say in Matthew 12 that from the good tree or from the good heart flows good and from the bad tree flows bad. Uh, That's how it works. And so the heart is the control center that will be demonstrated or displayed um, by the symptoms, which are what we do and what we say and how we act. Now, it's a significant note to say that it starts by saying keep your heart. And if I understand right, if I remember right, The Hebrew word there for keep is the one that's used with Adam keeping the garden. It has to do with guarding or protecting. So if you remember in the Garden of Eden, Adam is commissioned to guard and protect the garden from the threat of the serpent and other other things. In other words, he's supposed to cultivate and produce life so that there would be fruitful multiplicity in the garden. Well, in the same way, we're to tend and cultivate the soil of our heart in such a way that good comes out of it. Now, this, we want to be clear, is only possible by the work of the Holy Spirit who indwells our heart. And this is why it's so significant as Christians that we understand that it means what it means to be new creations. We've talked about regeneration before. We are made new and from our heart flows good. We are made and enabled to do 
holy, righteous things because God in the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us and is enabling us by writing the law on our heart to then live in accordance with what God would have us to do. And so we are called then as Christians to guard our heart, to keep it and to cultivate it, to develop habits and patterns in our lives that enable us to live righteously. So we should dwell on good things, be thinking on good things, meditating on good things, so that we would then experience the blessing of living righteously. And that's the timer. Three minutes on the nose. All right, so you were definitely just about to get a little bit more into it. And, and I think it was really helpful that you're, you know, you're drawing out that this is telling us we need to develop habits and whatnot, keep your heart with all vigilance. So um, maybe if you just want to want to keep going, we, the first question I'll ask can be practical in nature. What are some things specifically that, that we should do as Christians to, to guard our heart, to keep it with all vigilance, um, what are the habits that we should develop? Yeah, let me answer that by first getting to the root and then demonstrating that. That word vigilance is really important um, to, to think about. This is not going to be easy. In our Christian lives, living in holiness and living in accordance with whom God has made us to be as a new covenant saint, as a Christian, is going to be an immense effort and labor. You're going to have to strive and fight because you still have the remnants of the flesh. So this is going to be with vigilance. And I love that the Bible is realistic about that that's going to be hard. So we have to keep it with all vigilance. So we need to understand you need to prep your mind for war and you need to decide to commit. You need to count the costs, as Jesus says, and then go forward. Don't put your hand to the plow and look back. So if you're going to live in, in righteousness, you're going to have the world, the flesh and the devil against you. And you need to be ready to, um, with full vigor and vigilance, press into holy living. And then what that looks like, the good, is we see it all throughout the Bible. It is obeying God's will. When we think about what we need to be doing, what it looks like is putting off sin. Well, what is sin? We'll read things like in Ephesians 5, where we're called to be putting off clamor and malice and reviling and that we are to put off coarse language, which isn't suitable. Like these things, the Bible has all these passages in Ephesians and Romans and elsewhere that call us and tell us specifically what we should be doing. We should be seeking to outdo one another in showing honor, Romans says. It says we're to abhor evil and do what is good. We are to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. We are to live like Christ in this world in such a way where we are counting others more significant than ourselves. These are the things we are called to do. We're to live like Christ by putting sin to death and living in righteousness. And so in order to do this, though, you need to deep down in your heart believe that's the best thing. Mm -hmm. If you don't believe that serving someone else and laying your life down for other people is actually significant, if you don't think showing up on Sunday mornings to bless your brothers and sisters by singing the gospel over them and then by speaking it to them and by praying it with them and by intentionally seeking communications so that you can love and spur each other onto good deeds, if that's not a settled conviction in your soul that it's good for you and your brothers and sisters, yeah. then you're not going to do these things. So that's why when we talk about keeping our heart, what we mean is don't allow lies to get in that would take away what you know is right. So, for example, you let's say you have some children and they're in sports leagues and Sunday afternoons they have sports leagues and you have to make a decision as a family whether or not your kids should be involved in sports. We need to be asking yourself really tough questions like, will we as a family be able to actually love and serve our, our members at church and not be distracted all day? 
because we have sports in the afternoon to get there. Or will that actually be a distraction? Well, if it is, then you need to keep your heart with all vigilance and make the right decision to not do that thing. Or if it comes down to, um, let's say you you know that uh, that extra 15 minutes of sleep in the morning that we also mm. treasure and need, mm-hmm. if that extra 15 minutes of sleep is disallowing you from reading God's word, which then has immediate and direct influence into you not thinking righteous thoughts on your way to work, which leads to bad habits throughout the day. Well, that 15 minutes of sleep needs to go for the for the righteous reading of God's word to happen. And so this just requires us to be thinking through our lives strategically, knowing that we're at war and making the right decisions. Yeah, that's really good. I I um, saw this week on Facebook, nonetheless, there was a, a picture that broke down how long it takes to read each book of the Bible and whatnot. And in six minutes a day. Uh, if you spent six minutes reading scripture a day, you would read through the entire Bible in two years. So just kind of double, triple it from there. It's six minutes, 12 minutes, 18 minutes. And, and you can digest some serious scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is, uh, yeah, I think that's really helpful that you've drawn that out. That there are there are things that we may have to sometimes say no to so that we can... Um, pick the better thing yeah as as we've talked about before so the other the other thing i'm thinking through um do you see any any sort of tension that exists in scripture regarding the heart and i'm thinking here specifically of um i forget exactly the verse but but jeremiah is 17 9 17 9 and he says the heart is deceitful above all who can know it it is desperately sick so so there's this tension where all right the heart is deceitful and we have to guard it can you maybe bring those those two things together for us yeah in i mean we're thinking of this as new covenant believers meaning that we believe that we are now indwelled by the holy spirit so i'll speak of it from that perspective and not get lost in kind of the old testament theology that that's a worthy conversation but it's not the most applicable right now so as we think about the fact that we're Christians, we're new creations, we're made new, we have new hearts that have the law of God written on them, meaning that we desire to do the right thing. Um, we need to, by every grace endued, push into that. So we are we have a disposition by God's grace to do the righteous thing. And what we need to be careful of, though, is that if we don't actually cultivate our heart, we can allow sin to almost be like a virus that is counteracting the work of God in our hearts so that we would grieve the Holy Spirit by doing the wrong. So what I mean by that is an amazing reality in the new covenant is that God is actually willing you, as Philippians 2.13 says, to do the right thing, the righteous thing. You are not having to fight uphill all the time to do the right thing. God is in you, willing you to do that. And what you are called to do as a Christian is to grab hold of truths like that and then align your priorities accordingly to that. And so what I would encourage Christians to answer your question, what, if, if you're a believer in Christ, your heart is new, and you, by reading God's word, by having the eyes of your heart enlightened, as Ephesians 1.18 says, can understand what is the good, pleasing, acceptable will of God, and you are prepared to do it, by the power of the Holy Spirit. So your heart, so it was deceitful, 
and there are remnants of flesh that will still fight, sure. But your heart is made new in Christ, and it is beating for the glory of God. And you actually, as a new covenant saint, are predisposed to now do that righteous thing. And so part of this is you need to believe that. Like, think about this way. Paul says in, we talked about this, I think, in another podcast, but in Romans 6.11 and Philippians 4.8, Paul uses this word consider, that you need to consider yourself dead to sin, and that you need to then consider good, righteous things, he says in Philippians 4.8. Part of the war here is believing that's true. So as a Christian, what I would say to you is, you need to believe what's true about you, because if you don't believe the truth about you, if you accept lies from Satan, who is going to attempt to deceive you, if you are, as Paul says, ignorant of his schemes in your life, which is, he's going to give you a false narrative. He's going to make you think, I, I don't have what's required to do the next right thing. Well, that's a lie. So the Second Peter uh, 1.4 says that we have been made partakers of the divine nature and that we have everything required for life and godliness because of that. That is true of you, and your heart is is actually has been recreated to believe that and to do that. And so you need to actually, by the power of God, by the grace of God and the work of the Holy Spirit, believe that, press into that, and you will not be found wanting or in vain when you press into those promises. You will find a substantive, powerful display of God that actually will help you do that righteous, holy thing. Yeah, and that is, I mean, that's an incredible reality. Um, Specifically, that that we have the Holy Spirit within us, giving us the ability to to live in light of what God has commanded, and that that comes directly from the heart. Um, the the you briefly mentioned it in the your three minute section. Um, both Matthew and Luke mentioned this idea of um, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Mm-hmm. How how do you think that idea of the heart lays into uh, our discipling of a brother or sister in Christ, uh, specifically, I guess, in, in terms of like you're looking at a brother or sister and you're seeing that they are not living in accordance with, um, with the word of God or with the profession of faith that they have um, said. So how, how can we use this idea of the heart to aid our, our discipling, if that makes sense. Yeah, I would say it's twofold. You should have a very strong rebuke because someone who is, I mean, read in the book of Hebrews, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God and how dare we outrage the spirit of grace, as, as Hebrews says. Like, if you're claiming Christ and this is a true reality of you, it is not okay to live in sin. I mean, think about uh, as, as a guy who's been in all kinds of accountability groups as a teen trying to work through things like lust, what usually happens? Well, you go, one guy admits that he sinned, and then everyone in the group goes, yeah, that's me yeah. too, and then yeah. you leave. Well, that's not right. good. Right. Um, and so you need to have a high standard. As a Christian, you have holiness flowing through your veins, and you're sanctified in Christ. You have been washed and cleansed by the power of the gospel. Yeah. So that's true of you. And then from that then, though, if you are talking to a struggling saint, you need to understand how much power is at work in them by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And when you speak to them, um, I think we might have mentioned this in our regeneration conversation. You're not speaking to a worm. Mm. You're not speaking to somebody whose heart is neutral and you're hoping that they do the right thing. You're, right. you're talking to somebody who's been made new 
And so Paul would say, will go as far as saying that we no longer regard them at all according to the flesh. You're not speaking to somebody of the flesh, of the world anymore. You're speaking to somebody who's been raised and who is currently spiritually seated with Christ in the heavenly places, as Ephesians 2 said. Like, this is a monstrous reality. And so there's an, there should be an inherent dignity. So when we call each other to righteousness, we're speaking to royalty because of their union with Christ. And then, because of that, though, we should have high expectations. We should strongly call each other to holiness because of that uh, reality that's at work within us. Amen. Yeah. And and I guess just as a final closing word, um, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, your heart has been made new by the Spirit, so live like it. <laughs> and and that's, I think, probably the message that, that we would want you to take away from our conversation today. So that is what we have for you. Uh, if you would like to follow up with us, have any questions, or would like to just chat uh, or recommend a topic, we've got a couple different ways for you to do that. AccessibleTheology at gmail.com, anchor.fm slash AccessibleTheology, or find us on Twitter, AccessibleTheology. We would love to hear from you. Uh, but until next time, we want to charge you, as always, to love God, know truth, and live accordingly. Thank you.